I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Hello, and you're very welcome to another Spool podcast with Pork McGill and myself, Nigel Weekly. Um, it's been about a hundred odd days since we last landed in your podcast feed, so we're going to be catching up on a few different things that are in the cinemas now, and then also deciding to bring you through ten films that are worth your time as we hit the halfway point in the year of our Lord, 2022. Um, why not? End of June. We've never really, I don't think we've done a half term, half year. No, I was looking back on or check-in or anything Spotify where you can get all our podcasts. Yes, all 103 of them. The Oscars was our last one. That's why I say a hundred yeah. days ago, yeah. And uh, not much happened at the Oscars anyway, but uh. um, no, I suppose we could have done an instant um, reaction we could have done to a that live one. That would have been Weird. funny. Yeah, and weirdly enough, I'm not sure if we're any closer to knowing where yeah. Chris Rock and Will Smith are with their both whole, have kept very quiet. Will with their has. journey. Um, anyway, so before we do the 2022 half year check-in we're going to dip in and talk for a second about just two films i just want your quick thoughts on first this is off script but uh, jurassic uh yeah Park, saw it saw Dominion. it saw it in imax best possible way to see it really didn't like it like didn't hate it but i was just like this is really boring i don't care um it's so I, daft that he can still chris pratt can talk to dinosaurs or communicate with them like they're dogs he's remarkably dull and yeah we saw it in 4dx which made the action bits amazing. Um, that's Cine World's kind of your seat vibrates and you get air blown on you and bits of water. We did have to move seat um, because our seat wasn't moving and it, it's quite a unique uh, sensory oh, experience okay. to sit in a chair and go, is the seat moving? Am I experiencing everyone else's uh, vibrations vibration or am I just dead inside? The so fact, anyway, that was, the, that was yeah. the kind of thing. Yeah, I just felt very fatigued by it. I'd felt, I've you know, say even with the likes of Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney where you're just like god actually i'm pretty much I'm out of time this. for a lot yeah, of these sort yeah. of things and maybe we're at that age that it's not for us so. i think the fact that the trio of actors were there we had sam neill laura dern and uh, jeff goldblum it was kind of like it just made you think back to the first film and you're like oh that was much better than this i should probably just watch that again absolutely so anyway one probably to avoid i wouldn't even i mean if you get the opportunity to see it and if you have one of these unlimited cards or the yeah. equivalent you know, it's an absolutely fine way to spend some time, get the experience, big screen, but pretty much one to one to ignore. But the one of more recency, I saw it two days ago. You saw it one day ago. Um, is Elvis? First of all, I was yeah. amazed there wasn't a film called Elvis before. There probably have been. If we go on IMDb, I could have checked that a researcher. <laughs> uh, um, but I thought, you know, it's, yeah. it is what it says in the tin. It's a cradle to the grave kind of biopic, as they say. So starts beginning right through to the very end, touches on three key areas in Elvis Presley's life, the 19, kind of mid to late 1950s breakthrough and what that meant for society, the 1968 comeback special, as we now call it, and then the sort of, I guess, the start through to the kind of early realisation that he was um, going to be in Vegas for a long How time. How everyone would perceive an Elvis impersonator to be. Yeah. Kind that, of born of that era. Yeah. So I had pretty low expectations, I guess. Same. Since the trailers came out and we all heard Tom Hanks accent, we're like, what's going on there? Yeah. Very interesting. So it touches on pretty much everything. It's insanely colourful, energetic, like pretty much like it's really long at two and a half hours, but actually holds your interest. I thought mm-hmm. um, a lot of Baz Luhrmann tropes where it's just like it has the Elvis music it's not Austin Butler plays Elvis it's not him singing it 
Um, but he does that thing where he has. Does he do? I again could have yeah, done some research. No, does he do some? No, none. And Baz kind of brings that thing where he has other people doing versions of the song. Obviously, maybe the originals of the song because Elvis, you know, borrowed slash stole a lot of songs or just gave his interpretation. And contemporary artists yeah. as well and stuff. Yeah. And then they kind of do it. I believe I heard Jack White at one point. I was like, heard it. Casey in, Musgraves is in there in the well, background. Yeah. Um, I thought it was. Austin Butler as Elvis is amazing. Like to me, that's a five star performance. Yeah. Um. Possibly Tom Hanks' worst film. Um. Him as I mean, Colonel is just it's insane. He's set up to do really weird things. Like he's walking through a Vegas uh, casino carrying a gurney in a yeah. gown, saying, "Let me tell you about this story." I said I was. Uh, I, I, yeah. I can't even. I won't yeah. even try to do the voice. I get the device because in a biopic. You kind of need somebody to move it along. And if you don't have him, I wonder how you do it without it being like five hours long. So I get his point and the less he's in it. And I kind of wonder that as they edited the film where they're like, oh, this doesn't work. So was he going to be in a lot more or was that always the intention where he would bookmark certain scenes or like parts of it? Mm. Definitely a, yeah, I think that combo of like a phenomenal performance with a, a kind of, huh? kind of thing um, and very whitewashy i suppose in certain like it was great in that it you know um shows the early genesis and stuff like that but it's kind of like doesn't really do much about the drugs does a bit but like not too much he's more so this is very right wing towards the end of his life and then i'd probably say he slept with like a million women but it's not really touched on. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Sorry, Elvis. Don't sue me. No, and I think it, it presumably has a lot of that like reverential thing of authorised biopics where they sort of paint it all as he was a victim of his own success a little bit. Um, worked for me as a kind of relatively uh, knowledgeable Elvis fan. Like someone who, I guess, I grew up and we knew Elvis' songs in our house. Um, I was thinking about this as well. We were all at this like relatively impressionable age when that um, a little less conversation song came out and was number one. Do you know what year that was? I'm going to say '99. Oh no, yeah, 2002. So basically, oh, okay. 20 years ago though. Yeah. So I hadn't even landed in college or whatever. But that to me brought about a sort of a was that revival. one of the Ocean's films kind of brought that back. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And like, I think there was like a collection of number ones. Like he was yeah. one of the first ones to do, uh, this is completely off the top of my head, but the Beatles and him, they were like, right, we've done all the greatest hits. Let's do a number ones collection. And like that came out yeah. at the dying uh, era of CDs and stuff. And then anyway, a couple of years after that, on a sort of a road trip, I went to Graceland oh, and yeah. Memphis and did all that kind of stuff um, and saw some of this. So to me, I kind of knew, and we're interested in general 50s you know, music. uncut magazine, Mojo magazine, 50s, 60s, 70s, classic rock, dad rock, if you like, or even an older than, you know, rock and roll kind of thing. So we're interested in that. Rockabilly and I can see, yeah. yeah, I can see how they attempted to sort of connect. And so it worked for me in that regard, but I don't know, did it connect with anyone under 35? I haven't paid much attention to box True, office I or I kind of looked around the screen and as we were coming out, there was a lot of like older people there. And, and I international? Wonder, I had loads of international. Yeah, like, will that bring it through? Tourists. Yeah. You know, will I get it at a good box office? Because again, I'm like, my nephew's not going to go see this film. None of my nieces are, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, they're trying to do stuff with that soundtrack and with the kind of trying to link the 50 stuff now to contemporary hip hop and how. And just when you mentioned the sound, I don't know if it was like we were in a bad screening, but the sound in it seems really weird. Like when Colonel, now his accent doesn't help Tom Hanks' accents, but it almost seems like they're trying to put his voice through one of those 
silver microphones and I'm kind of like oh I kind of get what you're doing but then at different times it's just all over the place and I don't know if it was the projectionist or lack of a projectionist yeah. but... don't know I didn't have any sound things I thought it was all very sound yeah. so um, I don't know anyway I give it a, a good 4 out of 5 Anyway, I give that, it a three. It's yeah. I think it's worth seeing for Austin's performance and just again seeing it in the cinema with the full sound and everything. But it does kind of make me want to go and watch like a ten hour HBO documentary, documentary. on Elvis. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Ken Burns approach to the whole thing. Anyway, that's I'm sure there's other things in the cinema, but they are the only two that we're dipping in on because that's that's where we're at. So what we're gonna do? Bing bong. Uh, we are going to. Look at 10 films from the first six months of the year. Just going to alphabetically, some recommendations. Where possible, we'll note where you can find them. Some of them may not have an on-demand release or some of them might be in cinema. But anyway, I will start with one that is available on Netflix. It played at the kind of pretend Cannes Festival in 2021. And then came out in this, I think it had a cinema release here in February, early March. But I don't know anyone who got to see it in cinema. It was gone seemingly in about four days. I yeah, didn't. I remember seeing a trailer for it. Yeah, because I had it on the, on the watch list for a long time. Anyway, um, this is Ali and Ava, which uh, is Cleo Barnard's fourth film. She's a British director and she made The Arbor, The Selfish Giant and Dark River. And they're all uh, really good. It's the story of an unlikely romance between two people in Bradford in uh, present times, and Bradford's a city in West Yorkshire in England. Um, Ali is a property manager who has lots of friends, really popular in the community, all the kids like him, everyone, he does all that, but actually behind all that um, and like the relationships with his tenants, he actually, his marriage has kind of fallen apart, so he has this, they're pretending that that isn't happening because in Muslim culture, you know, marriages tend to stay together and everything like that anyway one day at the school pickup where he's picking up um, some of his tenants kids he meets uh, Ava she's a teaching assistant and she's kind of like but defined by being a mother and a grandmother and that's her whole kind of thing she's white of kind of Irish I think don't know do they allude to religion but like Irish kind of Catholic background so they're kind of an unlikely um unit and then her adult son we kind of get the hint that he actually is a big mad racist fascist national front person and gradually bit of back bit of her backstory reveals itself related to the kids kind of dad and all that sort of stuff so anyway that's where we're at music is similarly to elvis the music is really really central to this whole thing and um, ali is a dj and he finds he just like loses himself in all of his trouble he goes and drives his van some like woods and hops up on the roof and has a rave with his headphones on like he's 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 damaged in a in a little way like he's struggling with different things and then for her she loves country and folk music and everything so the famous scene is in it um most memorable is where they swap music with each other so they listen to each other's favorite jams if you like and oh, they, get nice. to, they cut it together really really nicely yeah. anyway you haven't got to see it i know that but no. it's now firmly on your watch list thanks yes. to it being recommended in this list wow the on podcast Netflix. changing lives so yeah. yeah that's ali and ava um all right so next up second one of mine just by fluke i'm sorry to anyone who's bored in my voice um hard to, this is on colleen kuhn um the quiet girl i have seen this so yeah as has kind of not everyone at this point like it feels like uh Hard to know what else you can kind of say about it at this point. It um, It's about two months at this stage of, of recording this into a run in the Irish and UK cinemas. Still there, playing two or three times a day in a lot of the Dublin ones. Got, play, got played in a lot of regional kind of cinemas and stuff. Uh, directed by Colm Barade, 
and it's based on a Claire Keegan short story, Foster. So Claire Keegan doesn't write a whole lot. So um, that's good. So Koch is a 12-year-old girl who doesn't really... This is set, I think, kind of early to mid-80s. It's one of these films where you're like, right, everyone could just be driving old cars and have yeah. old clothes and furniture. And in Ireland, they were like, this kind of looks like the 70s, could be the early 90s. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> Italian Ireland. 90 has happened... So I'm going to put it at around 1985, around the year where all of us were born. Anyway, she is the youngest in her family, I think. And all these older siblings, they talk way more. They get way more attention. Her parents aren't a very good, balanced couple anymore. They're farmers. They're kind of neglecting her a little bit. And she just sort of opts to just go and lie under her bed, hang out in the fields, skip school. Just, you know, she's content in her own well relatively content in her own company and then as often happen these sort of thing happens she ends up just to lighten the load because the mother is pregnant she's sent away to live with some of the mother's family somewhere else in the country i had it that they moved from like mead to waterford or something but i just i made that or up or leash or something like that yeah yeah it took them a good while but like there was no none of the um none of no the motorways, motorways were built so Couple of hours drive anyway, and it was. I think it was Rathcairn and Meath. Was it filmed there? I think something about Meath came up at the end because it's impressive. Um, the scenery, um, it's an old house that looks like from the seventies or eighties, like all the old cupboards and stuff like that. Yeah, they didn't build it from scratch, so yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, so I did. Yeah, so all that production design really, really good. Even the way, it, like I, for me, I had like a like a very special experience. I went to this by myself. IFI Cinema Two was upgraded last year I hadn't been in it I think in a long time but just it was a very I don't know lovely bright balmy uh, spring evening went in there like kind of rammed like as a cinema with loads of older people and just everyone was like just intoxicated by the whole thing um, it shot fantastically looks brilliant yeah. great performances all around Carrie Crowley's in it um, yeah just really yeah and it's best you. if you haven't seen it like I guess that's why I don't really want to give too much away we don't know much about the family she goes and stays with and a kind of a secret to them gets a bit revealed in it and yeah definitely worth seeing one you can see with cousins aunties uncles mothers fathers and all that sort of thing and it's done with um, Cinecar which is this new initiative where Irish language cinema is going to be given much more funding and much more prominence and if this is um a marker for where that's going to continue to go as a program, then it's very exciting. So that's called On Colleen Kewen, brackets, The Quiet Girl. So uh, uh, so to tie in with another film that's still in the cinema due to its popularity and long run is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, it's another excellent film from A24. I think they're my favourite production company at the moment. They just have hit after hit. Um, so it's been out for ages, possibly again for like, I feel, two months. Um, it's a bananas film. I won't really say too much about it because I'd be here all day. So it concerns the Wang family, Evelyn and her husband, Waymond, who own uh, a laundromat. And they're getting audited by the IRS and their tax um, auditor person is played by Jamie Lee Curtis, who's semi-unrecognisable, but a very solid performance. And the husband kind of is putting in for a divorce in an attempt to get them to talk about the concept of it because he feels like she's not really on board anymore, is just worried about the laundromat and everything. And, you know, they also have a daughter played by Stephanie um, Sue, who is Joy, and she is uh, a lesbian and has a partner. And um, 
the grandfather is home and it's that kind of classic older generation where the mother doesn't really want to allude to anything and you know because it'll upset the grandfather but in reality she's not that cool with it yeah and asian american families are conservative by their nature and everything Mm -hmm. like that so yeah so what kicks off then in the auditor's office is her husband um, played by k who kwan probably pronounced that wrong uh, contacts her in a different form from another universe and is searching for a version of Evelyn, who's played by Michelle Yeoh, to save them and help destroy this person who's uh, destroying all these multiverses all over the place. So it's two hours long, maybe 2.20, absolutely zips past. So because everyone's very familiar with the concept of a multiverse now, Thanks to the MCU. And the MCU tie-in here is that the Russo brothers produced it. And they're massively involved and directed with all of the Avengers and the Cap- game. And Captain America. And yeah. All those. So uh, it's incredibly original. Really funny set pieces. There's all these dips into uh, different worlds. Uh, Raccoon Atui is hilarious. There's a segment where there as two rocks. There's no sound and just subtitles come up, which I thought was fantastic. Really original you know has lots of nods to kind of not cheaper but like grungier grittier sci-fi films of the 80s or stuff like that like the technology that they're showing of how they do uh go between universes is very kind of cheap and stuff like that which i yeah loved. well in a cool in a michelle yeah. gondry kind of be kind rewind uh tactile way yeah owes a lot to the matrix as well with certain stuff um so yeah really really loved it um i think you saw it as well i did thank you Months ago, probably. No, 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 no. It's, yeah, one for the cinema as well. Yeah, I um, I had weird th- thoughts. No, I really, really... It's brilliant. Like, everything about it is so good. I was trying to think that um, when the sauce... Well, the hot dog hands, that world... That was weird. Come on, I was like, if I saw this film when I was 19, it would probably be the greatest film I've ever seen in my whole life. Probably, like, defining your kind of generation of everything. Which is cool for those yeah. college-age people. In the way maybe something like Shaun of the Dead did for... A generation like us. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, so I was a bit distant from it because I was just like, oh, it's a bit too daft. And with the so benefit it, of yeah. having waited so long to see it, it was like there was massive hype about it because it was one of those annoying things where it was maybe in America for like a month or two before it came out here. So there was massive hype. There was a, also a big deal of hype when it came out here. Well, phenomenal like buzz from yeah. like, let's, the internet, yeah. the kind of in, smart internet mm. film. And kind of with all of these things, when you take away all the bells and whistles, really what it's about, it's about uh, mothers and daughters, mothers in general, marriage, relationships and all that kind of stuff. And that message kind of does come through overall. So with all the gadgets and sci-fi, um, it still really holds up. Yeah. And still in the cinema. And yeah, I don't think it's on any on-demand things yet. Not yet. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. So probably the Batman? The Batman, yeah. In which... this slightly alphabetical, but not nearly <laughs> alphabetical, yeah. Um, Another one of your ones. Yeah, uh, directed when by... When did this come out? Like, I was I was looking March. through ratings and stuff. It was March. B- weekend, okay. birthday kind of thing. I think we did a review of it tagged on to the Oscars before, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's directed by Matt Reeves, who's behind a lot of the Planet of the Apes reboots. Um, Robert Pattinson plays Batman, Zoe Kravis is Catwoman. As a massive cast, you could go on and on. Jeffrey Wright, or Black Nigel, as we like to call him, uh, it plays Gordon. And Colin Farrell has a great turn as the Penguin. Um, yeah, so it's it's a funny one because I haven't seen it. Uh, I haven't watched it on the TV since. I've only seen it in the cinema. Loved it in the cinema. I've and heard from people when they watch it on TV, it kind of falls apart a bit. 
doesn't hold up or make sense. I don't. Have you watched it I, a second time? No, just saw it that time in the cinema. Yeah. And yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me because it was so dark. Yeah. Um, and very kind of long and yet just really, really washed over you when you were in there in the theatre. Yeah. In the movie theatre. Really reminds you of a Fincher film. Uh, very Seven-esque. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it at the time. Great. And Pattinson, um, Pattinson was probably the big surprise because you'd have to be a bit cynical when he was... Not cynical, maybe just like, oh, really? Like, this is yeah, on, but yeah. it felt like we hadn't really... Like, Ben Affleck was Batman in a film that came out last year. Yeah. You know, like, so in the the Snyder cut. So it's like, do we need another one right away? And, yeah. you know, you, easy to be fatigued by all of these reincarnations, but... And yeah. it's available at the moment, if you want to see it, on YouTube or Google, whatever it is, for six euros. Very good. And all yep. those kind of things. Other, other on-demand platforms are available. Possibly, probably. Um... Here's one that's on Amazon Prime. It's called A Hero. So this is Asghar Farhadi, the Iranian uh, director's... Um, he won an Oscar in 2012 for A Separation. Do you remember that film? About divorce. Very kind of... Never saw it. Remember seeing the trailer a lot in the yeah. IFI. Right. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so I... And he also did one um, called the salesman or a salesman anyway he's very good at putting together these kind of moral conundrum things of like oh yeah i can understand oh i don't know what i'd do in that situation so in this one amir jadidi jadidi plays a man who's serving three years in prison just for unpaid debts uh, which are actually money he owed to his uh soon to be ex-wife's uh, brother and ended up in jail because that's the kind of way it works you know over there it's all very much about doing the right thing um, when he's out on parole, he finds a bag with um, go- some gold in it and he decides to then maybe, he decides and the prison decides as well to maybe use it as a bit of a, oh, look, he, you know, he can reform, like men can reform, they'll do the right thing. You know, rather than just keep it, sell it and get the money back and pay back the debt, he um, decides to kind of put up a campaign to get it back to its rightful owner. But then the whole thing gets manipulated. He gets manipulated and you're forced into this whole weirdly loopy thing and um, it's much more serious than i make it sound like it's it's uh was it exclusively an amazon thing was it in the cinema um i saw it in the lighthouse yeah oh, right, in okay. the early in like january maybe yeah um I it's think. not ringing any bells with me even yeah. a trailer or anything there you go so it's an amazon prime one and it's called a hero and uh yeah it's very very good the next one then up for me also is a Netflix one that's a Netflix original, is it? Did it ever come out in the cinema? Hustle. So slightly, I'm not sure this is one of the best films of the thing, but I, just in terms of, you know, I enjoyed this immensely. It's an Adam Sandler sports slash business uh, drama. And um, as with Top Gun Maverick, there's just something very kind of comforting and nearly charming about watching an American yeah. actor who you know and love just doing something to the top of their game. Um, so Adam Sandler, yeah, Adam Sandler plays a basketball scout who kind of travels the world. He just kind of eats fast food and watches basketball. He's Not a trying product to find, placement. Yeah, but all of the product places. Yeah, yeah. Like as in KFC, then Burger King, then Pizza Pizza's. Hut, then McDonald's. I think he just did them all yeah, yeah. to prove like, you know. Equal opportunity. Yeah. So anyway, he is kind of fatigued by that. 
we learn a little bit through the course of the film that he was an aspiring basketball player himself. Then he, you know, there was something maybe happened to him. He, he has a kind of a, a hand injury in it, and we don't know too much about that. But he really just wants to get off the road, be a coach for the Philadelphia 76ers, and be married to Queen Latifah. He's not married in the film, narratively speaking, to Queen Latifah, but Queen Latifah plays um, his wife. She's really good as well. And um, anyway, but he's kept on the road because the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, Ben Foster, is an old-fashioned douchebag. And um, his father, played briefly by Robert Duval, um, had promised Adam Sandler's character... What's his name? San... So it begins with Sandman. No, not... Sugarman, sorry. No, because it's searching yeah. for Sugarman. It is Sugarman. Yeah. Or his name begins with S. keep calling him. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, so he was meant to become a coach, but then actually... Uh, ben Foster's character just sends him back out. Luckily enough, in is it Barcelona, somewhere Valencia, somewhere like that. Um, in Spain, he finds this guy who um is playing street basketball, kind of hustling people for for cash, and he's amazing. And he it then basically turns into Rocky, and you know it's in Philadelphia. Yeah, kind of has, has all the tropes and yeah, um, so like ups and downs, but very enjoyable. The, absolutely, and like even if you're a casual American North American sports fan, you'll know. Oh, these are actually this is like an authentic biopic um not like the other film that we watched last year that we thought would do all this space jam too yeah um this is a far better job at representing the business um my the favorite commerce. cutaway was to uh, Shaq and oh the other guy I'm trying to remember his name Charles Barkley Charles Barkley in that yeah. Uh, commentary yeah, yeah. Kind of that thing. was funny yeah. anyway it's it's called hustle and it's just a very good watch um on Netflix now yeah so, um, one that you watched with me, Steve, yeah, Steven yeah. Soderbergh? Steven Soderbergh, he continues his retirement, but not really. Remember he said he I retired? think he's just unretired at this stage, Such yeah. nonsense. Uh, Kimmy, um, which is the Siri, or, you know, hey Google, like, what even is Google's thing called? And, uh, kind of personal assistant, yeah. AI assistant. So, it's yeah. a version of that, um, where you can talk to it and, you know, make shopping lists and blah, blah, blah. So it's getting, a new feature of it is getting launched. And uh, Zoe Kravitz, who was also in The Batman, um, she is a person who works for this company and reviews audio and tries to get rid of bugs if it's not saying words correctly in this. And it's set present day during COVID. Um, so there is that kind of everything is condensed. Everyone has to stay housebound or, um, and, Zoe Kravis is agoraphobic, so she doesn't really like outside spaces. So she hears a piece of audio that sounds like a murder has been committed, um, reports it, kicks off a load of stuff at corporate, and then it turns into this almost Hitchcockian um, rear window um, thriller. It's very good. It's quite short. I think it's like 90 minutes. Perfect kind of time. It's not the most original. It would remind you of Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation with star Gene Hackman. Or Blowout, which starred John Travolta, the Brian De Palma film. So it is that kind of somebody hearing something on audio, but it's kind of a perfect um, device for that kind of cat and mouse chase suspicion. Uh, it's on Now TV. Um, that's where we saw it. And he's done a few for Now TV. There was another one um, recently he did, which I can't remember the name, or which is like HBO, a crime, yeah. Yeah, it, um, a crime thing that. with John Hamm and all these people. Um, so yeah, he's really kind of cranking them out. He also did a basketball one, which I still haven't watched. That's on Netflix. So there you go. There's no shortage of Steven Soderbergh, yeah. but the one to recommend is Kimmy. Yeah, K-I-M-I. 
um, the weirdly spelt one. And then a film that's getting a lot of buzz online. I'm yet to watch it. It's in the Netflix my list. Do you want to tell me yeah. a little bit about RRR? RRR. Or, or, or. Or, or, or. So it's Rise, Roar, Revolt, but it's not really as I've read on IMDb. Um, that's what it is called. But really, it's Triple Or because it stars three of the behemoths of Indian uh, filmmaking at the moment. We have Rama Rao, who plays Beam. We have Ram Karan, who plays Raju. And then the director is S.S. Rajmuli. So there are three oars, and that's what it was, because it's kind of like it's like getting De Niro and Pacino and whatever together in a, in a massive director. The Irishman. So, yeah. Uh, so it's on Netflix at the moment. It was out in cinemas, and um, it came out in about March, but has just kind of exploded. Um, it was it was in Irish Yeah, cinemas. I'm pretty sure it was in Cineworld. Um, wow. because they have a massive they're very you they're know, huge yeah they represent yeah. a huge international diverse audience but you often don't hear anything about yeah um, and you never even know if the films are dubbed subtitles yeah. like they kind of just program them and and then yeah. it has a lot of buzz kind of coming from America where it was also released and our uh, sister podcast in America Unspooled uh, did a big review on it so that's what sparks official disclaimer we are not claiming to be <laughs> affiliated with the podcast but yeah it has gotten an internet yeah film twitter podcast it's, it's bananas it's it's brilliant it's three hours long at least if not longer do you watch it in one go yeah i watched it one sitting without pausing well pause the odd time for like toilet breaks and stuff but watched it in one solid sitting and it, it really pulls you in um so these characters beam and raju were historical indian figures who were fighting for independence against the british they never met so this film kind of surmises like what if they did meet and how would it be it's absolutely bananas it's a bromance there's ridiculous action in it really entertaining really good fun it's from it's not a bollywood film it's a tollywood film um because it's filmed in uh, telugu which is the language that it was filmed and recorded in and it's been dubbed into hindu for netflix so it, it is a thing to kind of get over it's dubbed um but it's also there's subtitles but it's dubbed so it, it's kind of weird it's like a spaghetti western so even the people speaking english are dubbed as well so once you kind of get over that um it, it's brilliant the action in it is insane like there's animals coming out of crates lots of stuff on fire and um, the two lads are absolutely ripped in it it's it's like taken weirdly an irish an indian michael collins kind of a vibe because it has the amazing enemy of the the british empire so like and there's no nuance in how they're portrayed they're absolute villains out and out and so yeah i it could almost get a re-release in ireland i'd say if it it got enough heads firm recommendation and interesting my next one is top gun maverick um again very little cg a lot of practical effects i'm going down through this list um, just in terms of the films that connect, like the Batman as well, very little CG, you yeah. know, all very real practical effects. And, you know, we have had all these Marvel, Disney kind of things going on and they're all not really clicking with people. So I think practical cinema is the way yeah, forward. But no, Triple tri- R is total CGI and madness, but it pulls it off with lots of heart behind the story. Yeah. So uh, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. So anyway, that's firmly on the on the to to watch list. The film that if you're going to see it, you'll almost certainly have seen it at this point. Uh, Top Gun Maverick is out. It's about a month out at this point. So it's gained kind of unanimous praise for 
um, the director, but mostly just for Tom Cruise for kind of proving that he has this enduring appeal that, you know, when we all thought, I was thinking about this, that we all thought, and we talked about it on this podcast, that like Tenet was going to be the thing that sort of officially saved cinema after the pandemic. And then it was going to be James Bond. And then people thought, well, and it probably was like the Spider-Man No Way Home thing as well. But actually it feels like Top Gun Maverick is the one that firmly reaffirms that like, Cinema's ri- back. Yeah, I don't want to say original cinema because obviously this is a sequel, but that concept of stuff that only goes to the cinema that's made exclusive for cinema that they waited until all these kind of, you know, till you could get everyone in there till it was safe to do so. Um, yeah, because it could have came out a year ago, I think, but they were just like, no. Yeah, and he's actually aged a little. When you saw Tom Cruise now doing the press tour for this, you're like, compared to... Like in the film, he even looks like he's aged a little bit. So it would be maybe two, three years since he filmed a lot of it. Yeah. But anyway, it is just, you know, it's it's really interesting loads of ways that we were kind of duped into thinking that there's a nostalgia and a link between like a film that was from 36 years ago. And likewise, they tried it with Jurassic Park, which is, you know, 29 years by getting the original yeah, cast. Yeah. And I read, I sent it to you, you probably didn't get to read it, but people are trying to talk about, like in the mid 80s when Top Gun came out, no one was looking in the 50s, you know, so we're weirdly, we're running out of intellectual property, we're running out of like stuff to dig up. Yeah, um, we're too in love of, with nostalgia, like we need to get over it and like move on. Yeah, but it's getting stretched out to the mm-hmm. point where, you know, they're not going to wait another 36 years for a Top Gun uh, yeah. film, I guess. But anyway, I'm not going to go into any great depth on the plot or anything because it's just great fun the action is phenomenally well done it's just a real feel good kind of thing um if you got one more then to wrap up our our 10 yeah which um, is quite fitting by the title of the film which is x roman numeral yeah um it's a horror film the only horror film i suppose on the list um it's directed by ty west he's done bits and pieces i was kind of looking through his imdb he was involved in the abcs of horror and um vhs and stuff like that but it stars Mia Goth. Um, she plays Maxine and Pearl, which I only kind of figured out halfway through the film. I was like, oh, is she playing both characters? Um, so it's about, uh, it's set in the 70s. Uh, a guy who owns a strip club gets some of his uh, staff to uh, go and shoot a porno. They go to Texas. And as I was thinking back to it, it's kind of a weird, they get like an Airbnb in the 70s. They go and rent this cabin on this old couple's farm uh, to shoot the porno. And of course, the old couple are really weird and set about killing them all. Um, and it's what they've always done with other guests and stuff. Lots of nods to different horror films like Psycho. Um, you would hope the Airbnb reviews would have picked that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless they yeah. just spoof them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's really good. Um, Mia Goth is brilliant as both characters. Uh, lots of nods. With all the horror films, it is really good up until people start dying. And then it gets a bit gory. But like in fun kind of killer ways but then once that start happens it kind of removes all the like dread or suspense um but really worthwhile um kind of mad stuff in it in that uh so pearl is the older woman of the murderous couple and there's a sequel to the film which is about how pearl became kind of a, a killer and stuff like that which was filmed straight after the end of x they just stayed because it was like oh we have everything set up and because of covid and we're in new zealand do you want to just do it and she was like yeah okay is it called x2 no it's called pearl it was supposed it's supposed to come out at the end of this year 2022 
Um, apparently there was an extra credits thing, which I didn't stay for, and then just saw it in the paper. Do you, when you're in a film that you think there'll be an after credits, e.g. a Marvel film or mm. a superhero thing, do you, are you like me where you'll check on the phone? You'll be like, Google, is Sometimes Doctor Strange, in Multiverse before. of Madness, is there an after? Yeah. Or just look around and you're like, how do people even know what to wait? Do we know what the first film to do that was? I remember for the the Matrix, it wasn't, uh, for the second Matrix film, I had heard beforehand that there was going to be a trailer for the third film that was coming out in a couple of months or six months later, whatever. And I made, my dad and my sister went to it with me. It was such a random cinema group. And I was just like, no, we have to stay. There's going to be a trailer for the next film. And it hasn't, like, I don't know, YouTube probably was a thing, but I was just like, no one has seen this trailer like so we stayed and it was that thing where the lights were on there was maybe like two other people and the cleaning staff were coming in and cleaning and then the trailer came up and i was like this is brilliant um but yeah it's kind of annoying now when they do it and it's just a, a like a fuck you for like oh you're an idiot for staying like they kind of did that the most recent matrix one was a cat or something um yeah i can't remember or then the bruce campbell one was funny at the end spider-man strange yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's where we're at. Um, X, very good. Where can we watch it? Uh, Amazon, another Amazon one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we've kind of represented them all. That's it. All right. We have given you all 10 films that, to dig out. I've got one or two. You've got one or two from me. Yeah. And uh, we'll leave totally it Totally off the it. cuff. Anything you're looking forward to in the rest of the year? I don't even know. The it's... Thor film. No, in oh, the immediate. Thor. In, yeah. one, in literally one week's time, the reviews on the Thor and um, God and Thunder. Is that what it's called? Yeah. have been very, very positive. So I'm living week to week at this point. Same. No, literally, I'm living week to week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's it. We will close with a little bit of uh, Elvis Presley. Why not? And this is the song from, I don't know, why not? A little less conversation as I just, a little bit closer. Brilliant. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Satisfaction in me. A little more fine, a little less fun. A little less fine, a little more spark. Close your mouth and open up your heart. It may be satisfying. Satisfying me. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the show?